0: Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Koolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. In a world that is dominated by narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry, what does it mean that joy is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on the inner state of one's heart? You've joined us in our series, Philippians, where we are exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to have joy in everything and the importance of living in unity among believers for the sake of the gospel. We pray that this message is a blessing. Good morning, New Life. For those who haven't met me yet, my name is Beck. And for those who have met me, but your memory is as good as mine with names, my name is Beck. Lovely to see you. Um, I do apologize to anyone and everyone whose name I forget. It is ah, just a part of my personality that God is working with me through. Um, <laughs> but we're here in the sermon series of Philippians. And today we're gonna to talk about inner joy. Now this can be, we've done some amazing sermon series so far. And it's kind of been, join the Lord in our circumstances. Join the Lord in what's happening. Join the Lord of all, you know what Jesus Christ has done. And that has been great and that has been valuable and there have, it has been such a gift to all of us. But today we're going to have a look at, join the Lord when you're feeling anxious. Join the Lord when your mind and your heart, they're kind of running in front of you and you can't quite get a hold of them. What does that look like? What could that look like? Anxiety is a thing that is spread throughout society at the moment. Even right now, I can feel my adrenaline pumping. Uh, That is a level of anxiety. And some have diagnosed anxiety um, and everything in between. But where can we have God in those circumstances? Where can we have God in that situation? Where can we have God within ourselves? So before we take a leap into the sermon, uh, let's pray, because, Lord, I know I need it. (laughs) Okay, let's bow ahead. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you that this is the day that you have made and you are here with us. God, I pray for your presence in this place. I pray for your presence in the hearts, minds, and souls of each and every one of us, and I pray it is your words that are spoken this morning, not mine but yours. May your heart be seen. May your care, your love, and your generous spirit be given to each and every one of us. God, I pray for your peace over my own mind and heart as I preach. I pray for your peace over each and every one of us. Whatever circumstances we came walk through these doors in, I pray that they will be, we will all be able to sit in your peace. You are peace, Lord God, and we praise you for that. God, this is your time, and we give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know what? I'm just going to jump straight into it. We're reading from Philippians 4, 4-9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Big section. Lots, just lots in there. But I think it's really important, uh, if you look in your Bible, there's a little title in most of ours that says Final Exhortations. There's variations within the different translations. Um The uh, ESV goes further, exhortation, encouragement, and prayer. The message calls it, pray about everything, which I kind of love. But these subject headings were attributed to the Bible much, much later than this letter would have been given over to the Philippians. They wouldn't have got this letter and have seen final exhortations. And while the chapters and the verses and all these titles are really handy for us, I don't don't want to be telling you, oh, yeah, find that letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Now at the back, just past the conflict part, keep going, a couple more pages, saying Philippians 4, 4 to 9 is much easier. I thank God for that. But we can compartmentalize that and forget that these statements, and they are statements, have so many chapters that went before them. All the weeks that we've already read go into these. So while they are, these are punchy. These are one-liners. These are the things that Paul was like, now that I have divulged all of this, here are the catchphrases for them. Not to be catchphrases, but just that reminder for us. Be anxious for nothing. Peace in the Lord. Be joyful in all circumstances. All those things are condensed And if we forget that, the care, the love, the the teaching, the training that has gone before these, these verses can actually be detrimental to some of us. They can be just throwaway lines that bring more difficulty to our soul than God intends them to be. So as we go through these, there is so much to learn. And it's also to remember that much went before it. So where did he start? Rejoice. <laughs> Hasn't Paul been starting that nearly every single chapter? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. It was so nice. He said it twice. And I know that I have heard from this pulpit, if God has said something more than, if Paul has said something more than once, it is important. Rejoice. Rejoice. And he has said it like 16 times just in this letter. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. But what is rejoicing? We have gone through this, so I'm not going to delve into it too deeply. But as a Queenslander, I rejoiced on Wednesday. Amen? Yeah. State of origin, everyone. It happened. We won. There's two more to go. But there was celebration. That isn't bad, but that isn't the rejoicing that I'm talking about. This rejoicing is in the Lord, the God of our salvation, because of who God is. The salvation already claimed for us. It is in Jesus that we have a genuine hope for the future that will bring restoration to all things. Where there won't be any hurt or suffering, where there won't be any illness or anxiety. It is rejoicing in the fact we have a savior, Jesus, who knows what it is to live on this earth and walk in this life experiencing the suffering and hurt, to even know such anguish and turmoil that Luke the physician wrote in his letters that he sweated blood in his anguish. Jesus knows what it's like for his mind to be saying no, 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 no at the task God has given him. Jesus knows what it's like for his heart to be betraying him, going, I can't do this. And in that moment, in that garden, Jesus brought it before God and in prayer, in his anguish, he prayed to his father, Lord, if you can take this cup, take it. But if not, your will, not mine. He was stressed to a point where he was sweating blood. Jesus knows what it's like to be in this space where his head and his heart is raging against him. And the incredible thing is, in this absolute time of stress, Hebrews 12, 2 to 3 tells us, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful ones. Why? so that you will, I will, we will not grow weary and lose heart. David did a great sermon on this a few weeks ago. Jump online, check it out. I'm not going to go too much more into it. But when Jesus was in anguish, he fixed his heart and his mind and focused on God. The direction of his path would lead to our salvation. He went through the horrific but he now stands at the throne room of God and he is able to see, know and understand and do something about what we're experiencing today. It is not our situation Paul is telling us to rejoice in. It's not even our mental health or our mental state that he's telling us to rejoice in. These things are so fluid and ever-changing It is the Lord we rejoice in, always. For Paul, he is sitting in a prison. He is under house arrest and will be ultimately executed for his faith. He is deprived of all human freedom. He is unable to earn a wage. He is unable to go out freely, meet people. He is guarded and all choice has been stripped from him. He is entirely dependent on others bringing him provisions. He has no control over his circumstances. He is not free in the normal sense. But he says, I am free to choose how I view these circumstances. I am free to choose how my mind and my emotions will be directed. He can make a choice to worship God in what he is experiencing. He is free to pray, rejoice and worship God that saved him. Because although he is in chains, Paul is free from the chains of sin. And it is because of Jesus Christ that Paul is able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul reminds himself through his thoughts, through his emotions, the Lord is good and his joy is for me. Christianity doesn't deny suffering. Jesus didn't deny the suffering. He, in fact, got down on his hands and knees and walked through that anguish so we could have salvation, so that we know that we have a Savior who knows what it is to feel the burdens of the world so acutely, more than we will ever, for all of us as well. Jesus can walk with us and we can rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is near. Paul knew suffering. The guy has been a punching bag several times over. He is in house arrest with no freedom or control over his life, but he surrenders his thoughts and his feelings over to God and writes to the Philippian church, rejoice. So Paul, incarcerated, writes, do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't look down. It can be such a hard thing to say and this is where we need to remember Paul has a relationship with this church. Paul has an intimate love for this church. He knows these guys and there have been chapters that have preceded this statement. He's also a man who has walked out this statement through the tools he will follow on in. Don't be anxious about anything. Also let me say this There are people in our community who experience diagnosed anxiety requiring uh, prescribed medication or and counselling psychology. You are welcome here. That is not a comment on your faith. There are so many faithful believers who walk through this and God, please be with them. And us, as each and every one of us, we can even experience it in moments as well. People have been through moments of anxiety as well. It's not making a comment on the faith of a person. He is setting up an ideal. In the perfect world, there will not be any anxiety. In God, we can find a release, a space from it. Do not be anxious is wonderful. But he also knows that, he, because he's going to give tools to us, that we need help in getting through that circumstance. There are also people who have been miraculously healed from anxiety and praise God for that as well. But what God does for one person isn't necessarily the same as another person. Paul is sitting in prison. He has been delivered from prison before. Right now, he's not going to get delivered from prison again. God has did and will work in both circumstances. We thank you, God, for the miracle workings of his immediate healing. We also thank you, God, for his gift of doctors and psychologists and counselors. Okay? So please hear God's heart of love in all of this. I'm going to speak to the generalized anxiety that overall sense of something is not right, something is quite wrong. It's the body's internal warning system when it perceives a threat, whether real or imagined. I get a little bit of anxiety when someone asks me to write on a whiteboard because I'm not a good speller. Um, not a real threat, but it happens. This anxiety can be a daily thing for some people. It is our fight, flight, or freeze impulse. For Paul to even instruct this, I would imagine there was a need for this instruction. There was already anxiety going on in the church, and the church was experiencing conflict. Both within the church, there were different bodies that were fighting amongst each other. There was also the external threat, The community that they were once joyous members a part of were now rejecting, shunning, and uh, even to the point of persecuting them. So that onward effect ruins their social ambitions, their interactions, the community they once had and the laughs they had with certain people now is shut off. Their financial situations, which was tied to their social situation, you know, it's a society that's in bartering and also clubs and all those kinds of trade union things, that's now gone. You also have a group of people who were made up of slaves of all different levels of society, so they don't know how they're going to eat each day, and they quite possibly might get thrown in prison, like Paul did. And what happens to the family after that? Around the people of Philippi, there are real threats. They don't know where they're going to get their finances from. They feel rejected by those they once considered friends. Inside the church, there's a little bit of tension as well. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what workplace, school life, family situation you have just walked in from. But you might be feeling one or more of these pressures. You might be feeling that your capacity to do what is needed to do is not enough. And you are feeling overwhelmed. And you are feeling anxious. That's not a fun place to be in. Can I tell you, God wants to meet you where you're at. He doesn't want you to sort that out and figure it out before you come back to him. He wants you to reach out in that space and go, God, help me. Here I am. God is a relational God who wants to talk with you. God might move in a big way the first time, and praise God for that. But other times, it's a slow and continuous walk in relationship. Please, if it doesn't work the first time, it isn't a, well, I tried that, but it didn't work. Like, God is subject to our demands. Please keep seeking God, not for what he can do, but because of who he is. He is the God who knows you better than anyone else and who loves you more perfectly than anyone else could. I don't know what is happening with you, and I don't want to reduce your experience. And I also know a God who wants to, to be invited into your situation. He wants you to lift your eyes up and invite his peace into your heart and minds. Paul has experienced a hard side of humanity. This isn't a do-as-I-say-not-what-I-do situation. He has walked and lived this out to not be anxious about anything. How do we do that? Paul encourages in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There is no limits, no boundaries as to what you can pray to God about. Everything, that's it. The big, the small, the in-between. All the things, everything, anything. Pray, 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 pray. Pray to God. Prayer is the ongoing conversation we have with God. It is our communication with Him. We talk to God and we stop and listen like a conversation. I'm still working on the listening part, but it's something I'm working on. It is the conversation. Prayer is not ignoring what is happening within me, but it's an invitation to God into my internal situation, to be within my body, where physically I might be feeling one way. Psychologically, it's gone on a train somewhere else. In our circumstances that we are feeling overwhelmed, we can say, God, help. When you're so burdened, and worn down when you are in your bed and you don't want to get out because it's too much God has given us something we can do pray doesn't have to be big doesn't have to have fancy words God help God thank you God I need you when everything else is raging against us, maybe externally and internally, God gives us this gift of prayer. When we can't put our hands to anything, God gives us this gift of prayer. He gives us this. He gives us an opportunity to invite him into this. He's not as scared of it. He doesn't want perfection. He wants you in whatever that looks like. He wants to know your heart. He wants to hear your thoughts. We have psalms by David, and some of them are hectic. He lets it all hang out bare. He danced before God in a loincloth. The, the guy was just free in God, and that was with both the beautiful and the ugly side of his life. God wants to hear your prayers to enter into God's space, to invite his space within us. How amazing is it that the God of the universe wants to have a conversation with us, with me, with you. The God of the universe who flung stars into space wants to be invited into your world. That is the God we worship Not because of what he can do, but because of who he is. You are not alone. Take a moment to pray. Remind yourself that God is there with you. Paul looked around his place, stripped of the freedom he once had, and saw God. In prayer, we can ask God. We can seek God for certain things. We can thank God We can thank God, and you know what? Thankfulness is such a powerful gift of God. Ralph P. Martin and Gerald Hawthorne wrote, Thanksgiving means giving God the glory in everything, making room for him, casting our cares on him. We're not ignoring them. Letting it be his care, though. The troubles that exercise us then cease to be hidden and bottled up. We're not trying to grip onto this control for ourselves. We're not trying to figure it all out by ourselves. We can open them up before God and say, this is my mess. They are, so to speak, laid open to God, spread out before him. Paul's circumstances won't change for him. He would be there until his death. But he chose to align his emotions and thoughts with God's perspective. Some of us have situations that are ongoing. I'm not going to presume to know what you are going through or what battles you face daily. But there is a long Christian tradition of faithful believers who experience the most challenging of circumstances that don't change. But they find their joy. They find their peace, their courage in the relationship they have with God. Easy? No. Rich in relationship? Absolutely. It is in the relationship Paul had with God, within his circumstances, within his own being, he experienced a peace that the worldly, in the worldly sense, it didn't make sense. Within himself, he knew joy in relationship with God. Not because God was going to get him out of this one, he didn't, but because of who God was. Paul's peace was so settled in God because he is the author and creator of peace. God is peace himself. That it guarded Paul's mind and heart. Now, this word guarding, they would have understood it as a military guarding. For them, it would have been soldiers stationed around the city at all the entry points looking after that city. That's what they would have seen. So for this... God guarding Paul's mind and heart would be centurions. God, ready for action, ready to do something over his mind and his heart. God recognises we are emotional beings. We also have the capacity to think, but sometimes those thoughts get away from us. And it is through Christ, by his Holy Spirit, we are able to experience Experience a transforming of our minds and hearts as we grow in relationship with God. Paul has been given the Philippian church ways in which they are able to keep going, to have a peace within themselves, even though externally it's out of control and internally they might be starting to feel that as well. To settle the emotions, to put that before God to put God above both heart and mind and let God's perspective lead him rather than the emotions, rather than the thoughts, more than the circumstances. He encourages the church and he himself lets God's perspective lead him. Paul continues, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There is a fair bit of negativity these days. Paul and the Philippians would have been experiencing a fair bit of negativity in their space. What was happening to them wasn't right. But rather than succumbing to what was wrong to dwell on fixating on the negative and enlarging that space, Paul, from being locked up, about to be executed, encourages the church to think on the positive things, on the good things of life, because God is still working. There are things that are still good gifts from God. And this is something that I have needed in my life. I am one of those people who will thank God for a car park. I will thank God for a beautiful sky even though the sun goes up and goes down every day. I will marvel at the beach and thank God for the moments where I am able to snuggle up on my couch because it is lovely. I will celebrate with you. I will get excited over something that is truly remarkable, and I will get excited over something that is just highly amusing. Why? Because I'm a positive person? No. (laughs) Because I want to ignore the difficult circumstances of life? No but because I'm aware of those things in my circumstance that I did not imagine for my life. And I find them hard. And sometimes my thoughts and my emotions can get away from me like a runaway train that's caught on fire. But they are not the only things in my life. And I refuse to make them bigger things in my life than God who is the biggest thing in my life overall. To do that, I need to keep my eyes on him. I need to be in constant conversation with him, to look for the good and praiseworthy stuff. Some days I can feel like I'm Peter, walking on the water with a storm raging around me, and I know if I take my eyes off Jesus, that I am going to start sinking and that pressure within my chest and the thoughts of my m- mind get hazy and clouded. But I also know that even if I have taken my eyes off him, he is still there with an outstretched arm asking me to fix my eyes back on him. And I have experienced his peace in certain circumstances that didn't make sense. But wow, did it help me walk through what I was going through. When I was away from family, when I was feeling disconnected, when my heart and my thoughts were betraying me, in prayer, God showed me a way through. It is something I need. I will rejoice I will declare the goodness of God because sometimes my heart and my mind, they do work against me. And that is not the life that God wants for me. Even this morning, (laughs) this morning I woke up and I was halfway through a sentence. So that means before I had woken up, my brain has already switched on and it is going in overdrive. My jaw is sore because I was sleeping with a clenched jaw. I internalized stress. But during worship this morning, and I was, I was an energizer bunny this morning. The amount of adrenaline, like it hasn't been the best week leading up to this. But during praise and worship, it was putting the helmet of salvation on, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace of Jesus, that Jesus has gone through this. He does know this, and my faith, which is my shield, can extinguish the arrows of the enemy. And I have God's word, sharper than any two edged sword that can pierce bone and marrow and can cut into the heart of this. And His peace is there and available. Thank you, God, for prayer. And thank you, God, for worship as well. To be able to sing His praise was such a gift this morning, such a blessing. And I thank God for that as well. To be able to acknowledge circumstances, we can still thank God in them and through them, no matter what our mind and our heart are doing. Sometimes we need to focus on God and drag the rest of us behind us. <laughs> I don't always understand. Actually, I rarely understand But I know God is good. I know God is love. God is peace. God is joy. God wants a relationship with me. Not only me, but you as well. We worship God, not because of what he can do for us. He's not a genie. But because of who he is, the creator of the universe and what he has done. Through Jesus Christ, God put on flesh, experienced life in all its limitations and experienced the worst of humanity, died on a cross so that my sins were done, were paid. Jesus took that all on so I can have relationship with God, that there was no barrier between us. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see a crumpled heap of a human being, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus clothed in his glory and majesty. Three days later, Jesus rose again. In victory, he now stands at the right hand of God and he is there praying for each and every one of us. You might be here today and you're hearing about this God who is the source of joy and peace and you would love to find out more. I invite you, please, after the service, come and talk to us. We would love to chat. There might be others in the room where you might have forgotten what it's like to rejoice in the Lord or you feel so overwhelmed by life that you're not sure how to do it anymore. We're going to sing a song, and please, during this last song, I invite us as a community, let's do this together. Raise your hands. Start saying one word, then the next word. Sing. If you need help, hold your friend's hand, hold whoever is around you's hand, say, I need help in praising God right now. And later on, if you need prayer, we are here at the front as well. But as we sing, I pray we sing in the declaration of who God is and what he can do with our person. As we sing, I pray that he will fill us with all joy and hope that we might be able to walk through our circumstances with a God who knows and cares and loves each and every one of us. So I invite the band as we come and sing that we do it together, that we do it in community. The Philippian church, Paul, they knew hardship, they knew trials, they knew anxiety. And Paul encouraged them, rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious for anything, but in prayer, petition, supplication, in thanksgiving, give all your worries to God. Be thankful. Turn your eyes to him and rejoice in what he is doing that is good and mighty. How about I pray? Lord God, you are a good God. You're a God of our salvation. And I pray as we stand here today, if there are any of us who are anxious, if there are any of us who are conflicted, whatever the week has been, that you will break the chains of anxiety. God, I pray that you will bring your peace into that circumstance and it will be a holy and mighty moment where they're able to gain your courage, your perspective, your strength to go through what they have to do next week. Thank you, God, that you are here with us. And I pray you bring to our memory what is good, what is pure, what is lovely, what is praiseworthy, Lord God. Open our eyes to the beautiful things this week. And Lord, I pray, fill us a bit more. Teach us more of your love in each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen thanks again for listening to the new life podcast if that stirred something within you or you would like prayer you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our instagram or facebook page